This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell. I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Stop we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order! All right. <laughs> I was just about to say it's always tough coming off a four day, a long weekend, uh, three days off, and then coming back cold, 
And I was just about to say, I'm going to make this a perfect show. <laughs> and I left my mic on mute. I, you know, I could have said nothing and you wouldn't have known. Maybe I should have said nothing, but I, I'm like George Washington. I cannot tell a lie. Anyway, um, here we go. If, uh, if you're Catholic or Protestant, happy bright Monday. If uh, you're an Orthodox Christian like me, this is the beginning, well, last week, actually, or last night, rather. Last night was the beginning of Holy Week, but today is our Holy Monday, and our Good Friday is this coming Friday. And, of course, a blessed Passover to our Jewish listeners. Passover ends nightfall on Thursday, the April, uh, Thursday, April 13th. And for our Muslim listeners, a Ramadan Mubarak. Ramadan ends April 20th, I think. All three holy periods for the three monotheistic religions all happening at the same time. I don't know that that happens very often. I think it's a rare convergence. Uh, and because we're, uh, we were off on Friday, I didn't get a chance to address something that happened uh, last Thursday. Riley Gaines the former NCAA swimmer from the University of Kentucky who was forced to compete against a man, the man who now goes by the name of Leah Thomas. So uh, Riley Gaines and her teammates were also incidentally exposed to Leah Thomas's male genitalia. They were forced to uh, share a a woman's locker room after a swim meet. So Riley is a, a lovely and courageous woman. And she was speaking out against biological males competing in women's sports and biological males using women's locker rooms. She was at a, at San Francisco State University when she was assaulted and intimidated by trans activists. Uh, incidentally, I'll be talking about this with Coach Blade in hour two. And I just want to say for the record, I support Riley Gaines and I am naming Riley Gaines, Woman of the Month for the Richard Serrett Show. In fact, I think I'm going to start naming a Woman of the Month each month on this program. And these will, of course, be biological female adult humans. So for April 2023, the Richard Serrett Show's Woman of the Month, Riley Gaines. In case there's any doubt, this is the uh, international headquarters for the heteronormative patriarchy. Um, Oh, I wanted to share this with you. This is wonderful. Uh, Children of politically liberal parents are more likely to suffer from depression and anxiety. I say wonderful. I don't mean that the children are suffering. I think I, I mean wonderful in that it is just further... Uh, evidence, vindication, however you want to say it, for conservatism. Children of politically liberal parents are more likely to suffer from depression and anxiety, lack a sense of life meaning, and have substance abuse issues. This according to a Dr. Leonard Sachs, who has a PhD in psychology. He's the author of four books for parents and also a family physician with more than 30 years of experience. And uh, Dr. Sachs explained 
that over the past decade in particular, a massive movement has grown of permissive parents. They are those who are persuaded to carry out a more gentle parenting parenting, uh, because they don't want to come across as controlling or coercive to their children. Sack said that according to scientific and social data, these aggressively permissive parents tend to be left of center in their parenting style. They often leave their children without proper authority. In fact, in most cases, the kids become the authority. While their passive parents are advocates of being more patient, calm and punishment free. So as an example of this type of parenting. Um, this newspaper, The Examiner, cited Dr. Sachs's testimony that many of these gentle parents do not train their children to use the toilet, but rather model using the toilet. In hopes of inspiring the child to use the toilet and grow out of their diaper. But as he says, permissive parenting goes far beyond potty training. In an article for the Institute for Family Studies, titled, Do Your Political Beliefs Affect Your Parenting? Dr. Sachs wrote, a mom brought her six-year-old daughter into the office with a fever and a sore throat. I asked the little girl to open her mouth and say, ah. She shook her head and clenched her mouth shut and said, mom, it looks like I'm going to need your help here. Or sorry, he's, the Dr. Sachs said, it looks like I'm going to need your help here. Could you please ask your daughter to open her mouth and say, ah. Mom arched her eyebrows and replied, her body, her choice. A clear reference to the pro-abortion stand and mantra. Sachs said, I have been a family doctor for nearly 34 years. Until recently, I saw no connection between politics and parenting. Left of center parents were no better and no worse parents on average than right of center parents. Some left-of-center parents were too harsh, some were too soft, and some were just right. And the same was true of right-of-center parents. But that's all changed for Dr. Sachs and countless other healthcare professionals like him. Dr. Sachs explained, every day that I'm in the office, I now encounter parents who believe in gentle parenting, parenting, or its close relatives, mindful parenting or intentional parenting. The gentle parent lets the child decide. The gentle parent never uses punishment of any kind, not even timeouts. And the parents who are practicing gentle parenting are, in my experience, almost always politically left of center. Excessive permissive parenting is what prompted Dr. Sachs to write eight years ago his New York Times bestseller, The Collapse of Parenting. Again, he explained, I wrote the book because I'd noticed that more and more parents were becoming too permissive. As I showed in the book, that trend towards permissiveness wasn't confined to families in my practice. Scholars now find that the culture of the United States is increasingly a culture in which children rule. The culture of children ruling is so prevailing that Dr. Sachs said this change may help to explain some new findings regarding political views and depression in teenagers. Researchers have known for decades that teenage girls are more likely than teenage boys to be depressed. But some recent studies have called attention to the intersection of politics and depression among adolescents, namely the finding that left of center adolescents are increasingly more likely to be depressed than right of center adolescents. This finding is so pronounced 
that left of center boys are now more likely to be depressed than right of center girls. A 2022 study published in Science Direct by Catherine uh, Gimbrone or Jim Brone and colleagues at Columbia University is titled The Politics of Depression, Diverging Trends and Internalizing Symptoms Among U.S. Adolescents by Political Beliefs. In it, Dr. Gimbrone and her colleagues try to explain increased depression among adolescents in political terms, with a point of origin being in 2012, when the country veered kids steadily and increasingly left of center. The year 2012, of course, is when incumbent President Obama and Vice President Biden cranked up their leftist, secular, progressive agenda across America. There you go. Of course, I mean, this makes perfect sense. Teaching your children self-reliance, reliance, uh, teaching them to take responsibility for their actions, teaching them that there will be consequences for improper behavior, teaching them the value of hard work. Conservatism is about creating boundaries and children need boundaries. Boundaries make kids feel secure. It's like a wall that you can lean against for support. And thankfully, conservatives have more kids than liberals and the left. So in the long run, the culture war will be won through attrition. If uh, present trends continue. And I pray they do. But I think if you're, if you're a young person on the left... You should really listen to people like Dr. David Suzuki and Greta Thunberg and Jane Goodall, who all talk about overpopulation and how we should stop having children. If you're on the left, you should listen to these people and do as they ask. If you're a conservative, please ignore these fools. All right, coming up on a Catholic and Protestant Bright Monday edition of The Richard Serrett Show, in hour two, open lines, 289-275-9600. Get your A-game ready. Practice in front of the mirror. You've got uh, an hour and 15 minutes. And uh, I'll even talk to Anonymous today. He'll call in and, and, and wax philosophical, no doubt. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Uh, we're going to talk about woke math in, the, in hour two. You know woke math. That's if you say two plus two equals four, then you're a white supremacist. And uh, we actually have idiots in charge of our provincial math curriculum who espouse this lunacy. Alex Dollywall from Rebel News will be here in hour two to discuss. And as I mentioned, Coach Blade will be here to talk about Riley Gaines, our woman of the month here on The Richard Serrett Show. This hour, the Anti-Woke Book Club with James Pugh from Woke Watch Canada. But coming up next, if there's one thing that unites Canadians, it's our disdain for this country's internet providers. Tom Korski from Blacklock's Reporter is next with that story and more. The Richard Serrett Show off and running for Monday, April the 10th, 2023. Facta non verba. We're back as The Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. You know, it's interesting, the things that... Um, divide us and the things that unite us back in the uh, the early 80s of course many western canadians were uh, united in their absolute disdain for pierre trudeau and the uh, his national energy program well it turns out one of the things that may truly unite all of us and i don't know what this says about us as a country is our disdain for the nation's 
relatively few internet providers. An interesting uh, internal poll from the Privy Council just came out here to tell us more. Tom Korski, Managing Editor, Blacklocks Reporter. Hey, Tom, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Richard. So tell us about this uh, this poll. Give us the particulars. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? It's true. When you think about it, if you walk down the street of any town in Canada and ask people, are you happy with your internet service provider? <laughs> There's not a lot of love letters. So the Privy Council wanted to know more. Why is the timing interesting? They did this just before the Minister of Industry approved a buyout of Shaw out of Calgary by Rogers of Toronto, which was wildly unpopular. What did it find? Well, the Privy Council report says, and I'm quoting it, all, it was universal, all felt the government of Canada should be doing more to ensure Canadians had access to affordable and reliable internet services. It is so bad out there. Richard, how bad is it? They asked people. And Canadians said, I would be will as much as we pay, I would be willing to pay more if you could guarantee me fast, reliable internet service. As it stands, it's not fast, it's not reliable, and it's not inexpensive, and everybody is unhappy. You're right. It's absolute it's unanimous. And and yet they had to spend two point four million dollars on this poll. I mean, they could have just opened the window and shouted out onto the street. Anyone like their Internet provider that, you know, they would, the chorus would have been deafening. It is. It, it is like asking if banks charge interest. That's exactly what that, that is true. <laughs> well, the the, uh, the industry minister, Francois-Philippe Champagne, does he not understand that um, it, it, competition is essential uh, in order for, you know, prices to come down, for services to be improved? Well, he, he'll say that he will. He has prepared speeches on this very theme. The, the criticism has often been made. It's called regulatory capture. What does that mean? This comment has been made by Senate and House committees. Regulatory capture is when you have a federal regulator who becomes so friendly with the business that they are supposed to regulate on behalf of the consumer or the taxpayer, or the general public, that they start to kind of see it their way. And if you're seeing it, say, Roger's way, you're not going to see it the way of Roger's subscribers. That's what happens with the Department of Industry. It's gone on for years. That's why Canadians, when they travel, I mean, finally, they want to fight on roaming charges, which used to be absolutely outrageous. But when you compare Canadian rates, typical Canadian, this is typical Canadian, will pay over $2,000 a year for telecom services. Richard, that's real money. Yes. And the service is subpar. I've, I, I think I've uh, mentioned this before on the air. I was on a mountaintop in Greece uh, in what we call the Horio, the village, way up in the, in the mountains, and I had better um, uh, cellular service than I get in, in Toronto. Uh, and I don't oh. want to hear about the Internet. We're not talking necessarily about data, but, you know, the, the providers are the same. It's I mean, really, we have third world service here and we're paying beyond first world prices. Oh, Richard, and when you talk to people who live in other parts of the country, I used to know, uh, well, he's, he's still around. Charlie uh, uh, Mayer was his name, was a conservative MP for years and years. He, you talk to, you call Charlie up on the farm just outside of Winnipeg. He'll tell you on a winter night, he can see the lights of Winnipeg. He just can't dial it up on his internet, on his cable. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. 
It is. It is. Well, uh, the industry minister says, well, he's heard the message loud and clear, but now he wants to regulate lower prices. He could have, uh, you know, I think there's a much better solution. That's simple. It's more competition, not less. He supported, he supports less competition. Um, but he somehow thinks he's going to get lower prices. Good luck to him. Uh, Tom, we'll take a quick time out. I want to talk to you about uh, Canada having one of the lowest incarceration rates in the English-speaking world. And we'll also uh, talk about that uh, consulting group, McKinsey, despite um, having some uh, major ethical and criminal violations elsewhere in the world. Uh, they're still A-OK here in Canada. Back with more of my conversation. Tom Korski, Managing Editor, Blacklocks Reporter. Stay with us right here on The Richard Serrett Show. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serrett Show. Uh, coming up next segment, we're going to open the phone lines so you can uh, start to dial in now. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Uh, Tom Korski, Managing Editor, Blacklocks Reporter, stays with us. And uh, McKinsey and company have a, a very sweetheart deal uh, here to uh, consult our federal bureaucrats. Um, talk about a shadow government. <laughs> anyway, um, they were recently asked uh, by a conservative MP, or they weren't rather, but the liberal government was recently asked um, in an inquiry of ministry tabled in the House of Commons, uh, whether the liberal government considers McKinsey and company to be an ethical company given their legal troubles abroad. Uh, Tom Korski stays with us, managing editor, Blacklocks reporter. So, Tom, this was a uh, this inquiry of ministry table in the Commons was by Conservative MP Michelle Rempel Garner. Uh, what what prompted this question? Well, because McKinsey's had some troubles and some very serious troubles. Let's see. In the last two years, down in the United States, they paid this was United States dollars, five hundred ninety six million dollars settlement, half billion dollar settlement with 48 states over promotion of sales of OxyContin. They were tied in with the whole opioid epidemic that that grew out of uh, the sales division of Purdue Pharma. And last year, the company was charged with corruption involving a a railway deal in South Africa. They've also had uh, a former McKinsey partner jailed two years for fraud in the United States. Well, this is all very interesting. What does that mean, Richard? Well, it so happens that back in 2016, the Department of Public Works, the largest contracting office in the entire country, said, we are adopting a government-wide integrity regime. What does that mean? That means if you are a company, we don't care if it's a foreign subsidiary. If you plead out charges, if you are convicted of any wrongdoing, you will be blacklisted for up to 10 years. Well, it's been a joke. There are about four companies on the blacklist, all little mom and pop companies for GST offenses. By the way, SNC-Lavalin, Quebec Engineering Company, is not on the blacklist, despite bid rigging, fraud, bribery. They hired prostitutes for clients. You name it. Neither is McKinsey. Uh, The MPs never tire of pointing out the loopholes that you could drive a half-billion-dollar settlement through in our ethics regime. So the the Minister of Public uh, Works who does not consider McKinsey to be unethical, uh, or obviously, I mean, what was, what was um, his or her response to the um, inquiry from Michelle Rempel-Garner? 
Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Uh, Minister Jessick wrote the House of Commons and said that there was no particular issue with McKinsey and their status remains unchanged. It's such a thing as too big to fail. Well, that's like finding out banks charge interest like we were discussing a moment ago. It's, it, it's too big to fail. You know, if you get blacklisted federally as a contractor, this is big money. In the case of Lavalin, even McKenzie, it's tens of millions of dollars. They say, well, we have a lot of private sector clients. Well, that, that's fine. But then let's not start talking about ethics code. Richard, the cabinet has talked about upgrading its ethics code. This has gone on 2016. So we are now in year seven, going into year eight on thinking about ethics in federal contracting. By the way, why does it matter? Because if you're a company, say you're competing with Lavalin and you do not bribe public office holders and you do not hire prostitutes, you're at an obvious disadvantage. That was the whole point. And McKinsey and Company, weren't they given like a 99-year contract to consult? Oh, they with options. But they've, you know, it was the Institute of the Public Service, Professional Institute of the Public Service, that used the phrase you just used about the shadow public service. The size of the federal public service has increased by a third. So why are you hiring outside management consultants to tell you how to fill the paper tray and the photocopier? No one understands it. Oh, dear. All right. I'm going to ask you about this. This is um, interesting. The um, the fact that Canada has given all this, you know, the surge in violence across this country in places like Toronto and Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton. Canada has one of the lowest incarceration rates in the English speaking world, according to new data. Tell me about it. In this absolutely fascinating uh, stats. That's from the Department of Public Safety. Annual release by the Correctional Service. Absolutely fascinating data. So they go per 100,000 population. Canada, this is their their yardstick, has 104 prisoners per 100,000 population. That's not even close. I mean, everyone knows the United States. It's five times. That is lower than Australia, lower than New Zealand, lower than Scotland, lower than England. It's lower than Wales. It's low. In fact, they say out of 223 countries that speak all languages of the world, Canada ranks 143. That's way down there in incarceration. Okay, so that's not because we're committing less crime in this country. That's because, what, we have a a much lower conviction rate? Uh, That means most of these cases are either, well, they say in 40 percent of cases, charges are typically dropped or stayed. So prosecutors are taking cases to court and then deciding not to pursue them. 
Oh, dear. Well, that goes a long way uh, to explain what's happening on our streets and on the TTC right now. Tom Korski, managing editor, Blacklocks reporter. Please support independent media, blacklocks.ca, blacklocks.ca. Tom, thank you. You have a great rest of the week. Well, thank you, Richard. You too. All right. Let's open up the lines. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Back with more of the Richard Serrett Show and your calls right after these. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. All right, welcome back. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Those are the numbers to get on board. Join the conversation, 289-275-9600 on this bright Monday edition of The Richard Serrett Show. Just a reminder, I'm off tomorrow taking the family to the home opener of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. So we're going to take the day off. And then, of course, next, this coming Friday is Orthodox Good Friday. But uh, as always, I urge you to tune in 4 to 6 p.m., even when I'm not here live uh, for a best of the Richard Serrett Show presentation. 289-275-9600 coming up next. James Pugh from Woke Watch Canada and our anti-woke book club. He'll be talking about a, uh, a book by John McWhorter called Woke Racism, How a New Religion Has Betrayed Black America. And uh, coming up in hour two, Coach Blade, Linda Blade, will be here. We'll talk about Riley Gaines, among other things. And uh, Alex Dalival from Rebel News will be here to talk about um, woke math. Woke math means that if you believe two plus two equals four and can only mean four, two plus two can only equal four, uh, you might be a white supremacist and a colonialist. Yet the the, uh, the people that are ostensibly in charge of the math curriculum for our public schools here in Ontario, this is what they um, espouse, this nonsense. And uh, we'll also... We've cleared the decks the last half hour of hour two for you to call in as well. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. So have you canceled Disney Plus? If not, why not? It's just absolutely uh, appalling. What they consider to be um, suitable content for young people. Just reading this, uh, it's a commentary by Katrina Trinko. She's editor-in-chief of the Daily Signal, and she's warning of a um, – oh, wait a minute. Sorry, let me get back. That's uh, that's another story. I want to talk about Disney right now, Disney+. Plus. And um, obviously, they've moved very quickly to change their products. It used to be entertainment for children, and uh, now it's all about indoctrination. And it has built uh, some new storylines – around LGBT characters. They've openly battled with Florida, of course, over the state's plan to protect young children in school from inappropriate sex instructions. And uh, they're even, Disney, of course, now putting warning labels on some older projects to advise that they no longer meet the requirements of the company for being politically correct. But now, now it's, uh, now Disney Plus has taken even a bigger step. It's now programming or its new programming will feature a teenager, get this, who falls in love with the devil. 
The uh, programming is a, a German original by the same creators who gave the world how to sell drugs online. And uh, the, re- uh, this, um, the new show is called Pauline. The main character, 18 years old, becomes pregnant from a one-night stand with Lucas, the devil. In a uh, statement, executive producers Philip Cobbleher and Matthias Merman said, it's a project that is very close to our hearts. The story of a pregnant teen in love with the devil. It's coming to Disney Plus, the home of Pixar movies, Mickey Mouse, National Geographic. Of course, this uh, is not Disney's only foray into the occult. Uh, In 2022, Disney unleashed a cartoon featuring a little girl as Antichrist. There's no more putting this off. Your dad is the devil and you're the Antichrist, the cartoon mom tells her daughter, who is 13. uh, That program is called Little Demon. And one of the actors who provides voicing expressed approval that it normalizes paganism. It opens with a news report that the sky over a school has been torn open. Mom then drops a your dad, the devil bombshell on the little girl to which she responds in kind. So little demon. It's just as bad as it sounds. The series features demonic witchcraft, pagan rituals, gratuitous blood, gore and nudity. And judging by the uh, the trailer. It could easily be considered pornographic. That's just lovely. 289-275-9600. Let's say hi to uh, Bill from Pickering. Bill, welcome to the Richard Serrett Show. How are you? Yes, happy Monday, Easter, and uh, all is well. You're having some nice holidays. I'm calling about your... um, Actually, I'm at week seven of my knee replacement. Yes, how's it going? I'm walking... I'm up walking. We're getting the gardens ready. It's going to be a beautiful week. I mean, I got to take it easy. You know, I'm 68 years old, right? Yeah. But uh, I was rewatching. I guess you weren't watching the Masters yesterday. I was not. Okay. So, anyways, the patrons—that's what they call the gallery. You have to call them patrons. But there's hundreds of thousands of people there. All white. All white. Honest to God, like it's trying. If you did a Where's Waldo, any if you even at the uh, everywhere, the, when I go to the Mervis shows, it, it, it's it's all white. They're not assimilating, right? I mean, if you go to a rap show or something, that could be a little different. But so, what do you think about that? <laughs> well, I'm not a bean counter. I I, re- I mean, I don't. It's an interesting observation, I suppose. But so what of it? Well, because they're always harping on us, uh, us wasps and everything, and everybody was like, we're boom, 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 bad, bad, bad. But we're the strength. We're the heart. We're, 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 we're everything. Who's we? The white people. The wasps. <laughs> All right. I'll leave it at that. Uh, you see, I, I, don't, I guess he was being facetious. I hope he was being facetious. I don't, uh, you know, when I read reports about um, equestrian events, they're not inclusive enough. 
Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. I just, I don't care. I mean... To me, that's just bean counting. Well, we don't have enough of this particular skin color in this particular event, and therefore we have to do something about it. As if, you know, we're just undifferentiated globules of melanin or something. All right, 289-275-9600. Well, we are out of time. We've, uh, we've got the Anti-Woke Book Club coming up next. But we will have time for your calls again in the second hour, last half hour. Stay tuned for more of The Richard Serrett Show right here on Saga 960. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. Monday at this time, we have our Anti-Woke Book Club. And today, we're taking a look at Woke Racism. How a New Religion Has Betrayed Black America. This is by Columbia University professor and linguist John McWhorter, who is a black liberal, I might point out. And here with more is James Pugh, independent writer, father, entrepreneur, who covers the culture wars from a variety of angles and writes a blog for WokeWatchCanada.com. Hey, James, welcome back. How are you? Thanks. Uh, I'm doing great. Richard, how are you doing? Very well. Thank you. Uh, so uh, interesting that this is coming again from, um, uh, well, he also writes for, uh, opinion pieces for the very liberal New York Times. So in yeah. other words, this book, Woke Racism, not coming from uh, what, you know, the usual suspect, someone, you know, uh, of a conservative bent. This is a liberal and a Columbia University professor. So a two time liberal. That, that's why I included it. Because uh, we, we this this would be maybe the first person like that on, from the left that we've talked about so far, and I do sometimes feel that John McWhorter's analysis of wokeism is a little lacking. Um, but at the same time, he there's no doubt he's a brilliant guy, and this particular book is is pretty darn good, um, and it's actually would be one that I would recommend your listeners if they're new and not initiated into the whole what like what is woke you know just kind of waking up to this idea this is a good one for that was it, was was uh, this book kind of an um a response to Ibram Kendi's how to be an anti-racist and maybe Robin DiAngelo's white fragility I would say absolutely like right in the title look look what we're looking at so uh we have woke racism is the title but then in the in the subtitle it's talking about betrayed black america so when we have black, woke, and racism, when we have those three letters together, we are talking about 
what's called it's an, in the ideological sense too, not by the face meaning of the words. We're talking about anti-black racism. So from an ideological sense, that's talking about whenever there is a disparity, whenever there is a difference between white people and black people and black people are on the losing end of it, that's racism. That's what woke racism is. That's what he means by that. So um, he yeah. does offer some some solutions in the book. And that's another reason I brought the uh, the book forward, because I know you're always looking for solutions. And it's, it's not even so much that it's uh, he's solving wokeism. He wants to solve um, where that disparity is, what people are calling systemic racism. We, if we can let them call it that. But let's let's identify what it really is. It's a disparity. It's where this community of people aren't doing as well. So here's his uh, formula. He calls it a three plank plan to combat racism. He says, one, to end the war on drugs. Uh, two, uh, increase vocational training. So not so much emphasis on academics all the time. Make uh, vocational training and skilled trade type training more, promote that more, make that more accessible. And then this last one I thought, I thought was really powerful because I experienced this with my own kids teaching them to read. But he's saying across the board, teach everyone in America, so North America, Canada too, how to read the right way, which is the phonics way, where like when my kids are reading, they encounter a word they can't, they don't know, you let them struggle with it a little bit, break it down to its sub-phonetic components, make them sound it out. That's the phonetics way, as opposed to giving them lists of words to remember the spelling of, you know? Right. So that's that's that, that's that what that's huge because a lot of these disparities are rooted in things like literacy. So solving literacy or things like the drug war, these are big things that he talks about. But I love how his solutions, it's just a three plank solution, very universal, very liberal kind of person would come up with something. Yes, like this. they are liberal. Yeah. The, the ending the drug war certainly is more of a liberal uh, policy prescription. However. Yeah. Yeah, but it's I think they're things that people could get behind and or at least they can uh, get the conversation going in the right way where we can have conservatives and liberals talking about how to address this woke problem and uh, right. systemic. Yeah, I mean, McWhorter isn't trying to argue that they're, they're, that racism doesn't exist. He's not even arguing necessarily against the idea of systemic racism. But as you say, you know, he's just he's pointing out it has become it's gone too far. It's become a a, a new religion. Yep. Yeah, that's the, the main uh, point of his book, too. Um, the main the quote I'll give you is he says, uh, uh, if institutional religion no longer grounds one's thoughts, that then some similarly themed ideology will come to serve in its place. So Jordan Peterson has had this idea too. He's called it the messianic urge with all these people in the last few generations moving away from their Christian, you know, their roots, their organized religion. There's something lacking in their life that this messianic urge. So they look to social justice activism to fill that. Kendi becomes the Messiah. All right. Again, it's woke racism, how a new religion has betrayed black America, John McWhorter. And uh, that, that book is uh, available. Well, the best place to do or to get it is to go to uh, your website, James. And again, that is wokewatchcanada.com, wokewatchcanada.com. And all of the, the books that uh, you've discussed on our anti-woke book club right here on the Richard Serra show. They're all listed there. Just click right through. It'll take you to Amazon and go through woke watch Canada. Cause all the, the whole list is there and it's uh, being added to every week. And, um, 
that way you also support Woke Watch Canada because they're an Amazon affiliate. All right, James, great work as always. Thank you so much. We'll talk again next week. Awesome. See ya. Bye-bye. All right. Hour two is up and coming. And as I mentioned earlier, I've carved out quite a bit of time in the last half hour of the show for you to call in. Just keeping in mind, I can't do a phone-in call-in show or I can't do a call-in talk show uh, without calls. So uh, I'll be looking for you to call in at 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. That's the last half hour of the program. And uh, Alex Dalival from Rebel News will be here. We'll talk about woke math. And Linda Blade, Coach Blade, sports performance coach and the co-author of Unsporting, how trans activists and science denial are destroying sport. She'll be here to talk about uh, Riley Gaines. And she was uh, assaulted and intimidated uh, by some trans activists at a, a campus at San Francisco State University after speaking out about, well, Riley Gaines is the uh, former University of Kentucky NCAA uh, swimmer who had to compete against uh, Leah Thomas, who is a biological male. And uh, she and her teammates also uh, were exposed to Leah Thomas's male genitalia in the women's locker room. She was speaking out about this and, uh, again, just assaulted and intimidated. Uh, trans activists becoming increasingly violent. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that. All right, the Richard Saracho Hour 2 coming your way in uh, several minutes. Stick around. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Welcome to Hour 2 of The Richard Serrett Show. If you missed Hour 1, you missed a lot. But uh, don't despair. Don't despair. You're just in time for another hour of Edward R. Murrow Award-winning radio. Not really. Um, no one else is going to give me an award, so I give them to myself. And why not Edward R. Murrow? Ask your grandparents. All right. Uh, we will open up the lines uh, for an extended period. Bottom of the hour. For three segments, like 20 minutes worth, you, me, and uh, the telephone, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600 on this bright Monday edition of The Richard Serrett Show. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? 
President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Uh, coming up next segment, uh, Alex DeWall from Rebel News will be here. We'll talk about Ontario p- parents and teachers um, are, are in pretty much in agreement. Well, not all teachers, but enough of them. They, they just had it up to here with a lot of this woke nonsense being espoused by certain sectors in our public education system. Woke math is one of them. And these are the, the, the people that are designing the curriculum if in our public schools here in Ontario are espousing absolute nonsense, this woke math, meaning that two plus two equals four. Well, that's a, a white supremacist uh, idea. Anyway, the uh, again, parents and teachers increasingly fed up with it, but they're they're afraid to speak out because of repercussions. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that. I mentioned in hour one that I'm going to institute a um, Richard Serrett show woman of the month. And uh, I'm nom- I'm not nominating. I'm naming. It's my show. I'm, <laughs> I don't have to nominate her. I'm naming as my woman of the month, Riley Gaines, a uh, Kentucky university, former NCAA uh, swimmer who um, was forced to compete against a man. Leah Thomas was forced to, along with her teammates, change in a uh, a locker room with a man be exposed to his male genitalia well she was at the uh, at a campus at San Francisco State University speaking out about about this and she was mobbed uh by violent intimidating trans activists and she was assaulted here with more Linda Blade sports performance coach and also co-author of Unsporting how trans activists and science denial are destroying sport. Hey Linda, welcome back. How are you? Hi Richard, I'm doing well. Uh thank you for naming Riley Gaines woman of the month. I love it. Yeah, she's just she's lovely and she's, she's amazing. She's courageous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um so this happened on Thursday, I guess, uh, at San Francisco State University. Uh, what do you want to add? What were your thoughts when you saw this ugly situation? Well, it's just so outrageous. All we are are women who want to go somewhere and explain that there is, you know, there is still a rationale for having female-only spaces in sports and in society at large. And it doesn't mean we're excluding everybody. Everybody has a place, but there's, there's just there has to be places where it can be female only. And um, apparently when you say that, everybody is now allowed to beat up on you for some reason. And it's just it's we saw this with uh, Kelly J. Keene in, in New Zealand and Australia for sounding for women. Now we see it in, with R- Riley Gaines. It's uh, it's pretty incredible, actually. I don't understand um the uh, I don't it's 
you know, women are individuals, men are individuals. You know, I, I hate, you know, lumping people together. But in this instance, I'm, I, I have to ask women who consider themselves uh, feminists or even if you're not a feminist, just, you know, su- supporting other women. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand the, the disconnect here. Why increasingly we're seeing, I guess they call it third wave feminists or fourth wave, mm-hmm. or whatever it is, who, mm-hmm. who, who are betraying their fellow women. Yeah. For somebody like myself, it's, it's super hard to understand because, you know, when I was an athlete back in the eighties and that was, I guess, still mostly second wave feminism, but I mean, I didn't, I didn't really think it applied to me. I was doing my sports and I, you know, I felt like we had broken through with title nine and I was on the Canadian team and everything felt great. And I didn't feel like I was in any way oppressed as a female athlete. I guess I I was a little blind to some of the things, but still, I mean, we made, we had made great progress, Richard. And then all of a sudden this new wave of feminism comes along that says, well, there's no difference between men and women. Well, yes, there are differences. We can have equality in terms of opportunities, but there are differences. What, what are you talking about? We are different. And, and it's not hateful towards anybody to just state the truth. Biology and, you know, we're different. Men and women are different. Yeah, so we should celebrate our differences. Right. Um, the other thing that's, you know, the, the other disconnect is you have these uh, activists uh, who are also the same ones who are always railing against the patriarchy, the patriarchy, yeah. that, the patriarchy, that and the patriarchy, the other thing. And yet, what are we seeing here? We're seeing men mm-hmm. forcing themselves into women's sports, men putting on mm-hmm. dresses and wigs and being mm-hmm. named woman of the year and taking mm-hmm. uh, taking positions of uh, women. It's the patriarchy. And yet now there's now they're fine with the patriarchy. Yeah, it's so much terminology that just loses its meaning because of the way it's delivered. And honest to goodness, all I'm looking at is another way of hate being perpetrated against female persons. Like, I don't even know what you want to call that, but it's basically misogyny, patriarchy, hate. It's basically disrespecting women. And it needs to stop. You know, it really needs to stop. We're sick of it. This um, um, Riley Gaines is, you know, she's going to push. Hopefully she'll get uh, there'll be um, some sort of a a charges laid in this incident. But it was really ugly. I mean, do you get the sense that the 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 violence, the the intimidation is really ramping up on the part of trans activists? It's going to this is not going to end well. Well, in a room of 50 people, let's say there's 50 women meeting or not even just women, like people meeting to talk about you know, the ideology and just advocating for spaces. If you have like a room classroom of 50 people and then 200 extremists come in, of course you're out numbered. But what I'm concerned about is we're quickly getting to the point where the larger society is waking up because of incidents like this. Larger society is not on the side of trans activists. Larger society is going to lash back soon, and suddenly that little group of 200 extremists that were attacking Riley Gaines are going to be surrounded by 200,000 people who are tired of this. And that's we need to stop this before somebody really gets hurt. And I, it just it's just escalating to the point where you know in these academic you know like the dean of the student affairs, VP student affairs in you know San Francisco State University, Jamila Moore. 
was saying, well, oh, they, oh, congratulations to our students who were so, who participated so peacefully in this demonstration. No, they weren't. That's a lie. And, and by pushing that, these academics act like if somebody says anything that hurts your feelings or you disagree with, you're allowed to punch them out. If that's the message that our leadership is telling young people, then pretty soon they're setting the, these young people up for a real beating. And I don't want that to happen. I don't want to see anybody going down that road of violence. And literally the women are not the ones being violent. It's we're just standing there telling it like it is like we need our spaces. Right. Right. And uh, I think in this particular case, it was a, uh, uh, a male, a biological male in a dress uh, that assaulted Riley Gaines. So we have a man assaulting mm-hmm. a woman and nothing is done nothing is well done. Uh, it's going to happen pretty soon sooner or later because people are still being polite on the side of you know rationality i don't know what's going to happen though when people and you know just from regular society i guess you could call them the normies or something but what's going to happen when normies decide to show up on mass and start fighting back and nobody wants to see that no. happen no nobody Right. But it's if this happens, if this keeps happening, it's just escalation totally. And I don't I don't know where it goes from there. I I wish we could just have a discussion. And in fact, even in the letter of reaction to this, to Riley Gaines event, oh, the the Jamila Moore, oh, diversity and equity promotes critical discussions. Well, clearly it doesn't. It that's a lie because that's not what's happening here. Truly, yes, it is a lie. It's it's there's no discussion for them. It's case closed. No. And if you're not with with us, then you're uh, you're a, a bigot or a transphobe or and, and all the rest. And I hope mm-hmm. I, I do believe more and more and more people are waking up. And uh, but I do. I hope this gets resolved peacefully. I hope so. But it's Newtonian yeah. physics, right? Every action yeah. causes an equal um Opposite reaction. And and you know what? That is actually true socially, too. And let's hope that we get leadership in this country, in every country, that says, listen, folks, let's calm this down and let women say what they need to say. Let everybody else say what. Let's have this discussion, but truly have it and listen to, you know, listen to what women are saying. We we don't. Our preferences matter, too. And that's what we're just saying. Please listen and stop the nonsense. Linda Blade, sports performance coach and co-author of Unsporting, How Trans Activism and Science Denial Are Destroying Sport, along with uh, Barbara Kay. Linda, thank you. You have a great rest of the week. Thank you, Richard. You too. When we come back, woke math. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. All right. Welcome back. Just a reminder, coming up next... Your calls, open lines, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. And um, right now, we're going to talk about, well, if you believe that 2 plus 2 equals 4, you might just be a white supremacist. At least that's the um, that's the insane thinking of the folks at Ontario Mathematics, the Ontario Mathematics Coordinators Association, the OM. C-A. And uh, here to tell us more is Alex Dollywall from Rebel News. Hey, Alex, welcome. How are you? I'm well, sir. Thank you for having me on the program. My pleasure. So how much power or uh, influence does this Ontario Mathematics 
coordinators association have, let's say, for for example, the within the Toronto District School Board, who are these people? Well, it would appear from our coverage on the matter that, at the very least, a significant minority of individuals in the um, upper echelon of the OMCA, as well as teachers sympathetic with their uh, what with the uh, values that they're proposing are definitely behind uh, this radical notion that two plus two equals four is somehow a uh, emblematic of white supremacy. And from conversations we've had with concerned parents as well as concerned teachers and staff, um, a lot of them have concerns with actually the trajectory they're seeing with the current mathematics curriculum in the sense that it should be teaching objective truth rather than subjective feeling or um, this notion that teaching math to students in grade three, six, and nine is somehow triggering a microaggression. And a lot of these individuals are uh, fear public uh, pushback um, and fear losing their employment um, if they speak out publicly against this. And you would think in a liberal democracy such as Canada that um, there wouldn't be concerns such as that. But here we are, unfortunately, in 2023. So, um, I mean, that's not a joke, right? He actually, the the, um, the, um, the main fellow we're talking about here, the president of the OMCA, Jason Toe, that's not a joke. He actually said that two plus two equals four. If you believe that, you're, that's white supremacy? You know what? I, I wish it was a joke, but unfortunately it is not. And, you know, if that was, it, it's, it's unfortunate that that's probably the, least of our concerns with what we're seeing with the trajectory in Ontario's curriculum. Um, What we saw in a a workshop last September, um, where 60 Toronto schools, 200 teachers attended, um, Jason Toe actually uh, led a workshop where they um, confronted ideologies such as quote-unquote white supremacy, colonialism, and microaggressions, and they actually encouraged teachers to quote-unquote co-conspire with students um, in pushing what is a radical agenda in a classroom environment where they should be learning basic arithmetic so that it can carry uh, they can carry that with them um, with whatever career that they choose to pursue. You know, it's it's unfortunate that um, at the very least, individuals like Jason Toe and teachers who are sympathetic with the woke math curriculum are not taking into account the um, damage it has had on the performance standards of students. For example, what we've seen amongst ninth graders in Ontario is that their performance um, or their literacy, mind you, um, in mathematics fell from 75% to 52% between the years 2012 and 2018. And if we look down to grade six, the literacy rate decreased by about 20% and for grade three students, about 16%. So it, it, it's apparent that um, individuals like Toe and teachers sympathetic to the agenda that they are pursuing, um, their best interests are not in educating students or producing the next generation of workforce, but unfortunately to create another generation of woke activists who don't contribute uh, to the net benefit of society. Uh, In your article, Alex, you say that Ontario parents and teachers both, they despise this uh, woke math, but they fear speaking out. Why? Well, 
for example, we had a conversation with a teacher uh, who goes by the first name of Wayne, and he had mentioned that um, introducing these woke perspectives into the math curriculum doesn't really prepare his students for the math curriculum um, that will succeed his grade. And unfortunately, even though he holds those beliefs, which you would think any rational human being would be sympathetic towards that, he holds fears that he would be pushed out of his job uh, by his uh, um, the union that represents him. And what we've also seen is concerned parents and a, actually a former trustee candidate from Hamilton by the name of Catherine Kronas, who spoke to how alarmed parents are with the current trajectory of woke math in the province. And from conversations she has had with constituents, there is a consensus that um, parents are fearful of speaking up because they fear they could lose their jobs and their respective employment. And these are people who work, uh, will work outside of Ontario's education system too. So if pushing back against radically obtuse ideas is, you know, is seen as particularly offensive, then we need to have a conversation as Canadians as to what kind of society we want to leave behind for our children. And uh, it's unfortunate that we are in the state that we are now. Uh, indeed. And as you point out in your article, Alex, um, when you look at the provincial standardized testing, um, Ontario sixth grade students, not meeting provincial uh, standards. Um, it's, it's uh, well, nearly half are not meeting standardized tests. So this is uh, standards, rather. This is uh, the bitter harvest that we are now reaping. Alex Dollywall is with Rebel News. Support independent re- media, rebelnews.com. Alex, thank you. Great job. And I hope to talk again soon. Likewise. Thank you for having me on the program. My pleasure. All right, let's open up the lines. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Back with more of The Richard Serrett Show and your calls right after these. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Those are the numbers to get on board. Join the conversation right here on The Richard Serrett Show, 289-275-9600. And if we're going to do a live phone-in show, we need people to phone in, 289-275-9600. Ah, it's a, a laid-back, bright Monday. I guess a lot of people have um, Monday off. Uh, Catholics, Protestants who uh, had their Easter this past weekend, also getting the, um, the Monday off as well. Two eight nine two seven five ninety six hundred. 275 I was talking earlier with Tom Korski from Black Locks Reporter about this poll, internal poll taken by the uh, Privy Council uh, on behalf of the, um, I guess, the, uh, the Liberal Cabinet, the Federal Cabinet. So they have this internal poll and they, they want to, they want to, um, I guess, test the waters or, or, test public sentiment on certain issues. And this one had to do with Canadians feelings about our internet providers. And they spent something like two and a half million dollars on this uh, poll. They didn't need to do that. It's no secret. The vast, vast majority of Canadians are unhappy with the price of our internet in this country and the, uh, the service. It's not, it's not, um, 
It's too expensive, way too expensive. We're paying, I mean, we are getting gouged beyond, beyond, beyond. Uh, and it's not reliable in many cases. So we had Bell. And I'm, I, I work from home. I'm trying to run a business out of my home. And I cannot rely on Bell. It's not fast, even though we were paying for, uh, I think it was 50, 50 megabyte, the download speed. We never got 50. And um, I had a, um, in addition to this program, at one time I had a, uh, a syndicated weekend program. And I had to send the, uh, the program to all of my affiliates in the U.S. on what's called an FTP server. It's a little bit like Dropbox. So an FTP server. And in order to have an FTP server, you have to have a static IP address. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Meaning, you know, if there's a power outage or you reset your modem, your IP address changes. So you pay extra for a static IP address, meaning it never changes. Because if it changes, the affiliates can't access the, IT, the, uh, the FTP server and grab the audio for the, uh, the program. This was an important, um, you know, element in my, in my, um, my company. Well, the, um, the internet was, was constantly dropping and I was getting affiliates calling me at all hours saying we can't access the FTP server. And I was paying bell a pretty penny, not reliable. We had technicians out here probably five times. And they changed this and they talked and they changed that. And it would be okay for a couple of weeks. And I just got, I don't have time to be on the line with, with, uh, you know, the techies at Bell all the time. So we ended up firing Bell and we brought in Rogers and we had Rogers before <laughs> we got fed up with them. And that's what we went to Bell. They were offering better rates, which lasts about six months. And then they start to jack everything up. Anyway, Rogers is here and now the internet is great. I must say the, uh, the download speeds for Wi-Fi is like over 200. It's incre- It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, and a better price, a better product and a better price. But we'll see in six months, you know, when the deals start to expire, that's how they lure you in, right? Heavy discounts, and then they start to jack the price up. But um, again, the Privy Council didn't need to take a poll. 
We know how most Canadians feel. This is a this is a subject that's very near and dear to people. Our internet. Don't mess with our beer and don't mess with our internet. The problem is that um, the Ministry of Industry just approved this merger or this takeover, rather. Rogers is taking over Calgary-based Shaw. So we're getting less competition. Less competition means higher prices and uh, subpar service. So the answer is not to regulate the price. This is the Ministry of uh, Industry's solution. He wants to regulate lower prices. No, that's not the answer. You allow for more competition. That's the answer. All right. If you've got a line, hold on to it. I will get to your calls. 289-275. I had to get that rant off of my uh, off of my shoulders. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. If you want to talk about the internet, the price, the service, we could do that. So much to discuss. The Richard Serrett Show right here on News Talk. A Saga 960 back with more in a moment. Don't go away. Just having a little chin wag on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk. Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. That's some disturbing news regarding the uh, the Dalai Lama. Did you see this on video? Asking this uh, child, he kisses him on the lips and then he asks him to suck his tongue. Dear Lord. All right, well, uh, I wonder how long it will be before the Toronto District School Board asks the Dalai Lama to uh, read to school children in our public libraries. All right, let's say hello to uh, Rob, who's calling in from Toronto. Hey, Rob, how are you? Um, I'm actually up near Creemore. Creemore, wonderful country. All right, what's going on, Rob? How are you? So, so we're, are we still talking about internet services here? Yes, we can, absolutely. Yeah, so up here it's like, uh, you know, very rural, and uh, the, the only internet services that we had available up here was uh, ExplorerNet. And then now this is kind of like Mennonite country and the Mennonites have taken over some internet here. Now it's called rural net. It, man, that was like a, uh, getting running water, you know, like the, uh, explorer net was just so, uh, unreliable. And it was, you know, the only time we could watch movies when, when we first moved here is that we had to stay up late at night when nobody was on, you know what I mean? It was absolutely horrid. But know? aren't these third, they call them third party providers, right? Aren't they using the same, basically the same infrastructure as either Bell or Rogers. They're kind of piggybacking. That's possible, but uh, it's something like I have a, uh, a satellite on my house on a tower that shoots to another tower. And then maybe that's what provides through Bell or whatever. Right. 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 So, um, so you have basically, you have no reliable internet up there. Well, I, we finally did, you know, it's like uh like I said, the Mennonites come through here uh, a couple of years ago and offered this new system that's, uh, you know, like $50 cheaper than what I was paying before, which is quite a bit. And it's, you know, it's reliable now, you know. Wait a second, I'm confused. The Mennonites are offering internet service? What's wrong with this picture? Yes, they, they One of them started something out here, and I guess that they put some tower up in the up in the forest here that is able to shoot to, I guess, another tower, right? Okay. All right. So, I, I guess I thought it, my it's confusion very common is, up. 
Okay, my confusion is I thought the Mennonites were very similar to the Amish in that that they had a kind of an aversion to technology. But I guess maybe there are there are reformed Mennonites that embrace technology. Maybe I don't know. Yes, they're called like the new Mennonites or younger Mennonites. So you can you can drive out here through the countryside and stuff like that. You can see the huge farms and the big barns. When you open the doors of these barns, they're like full CNC uh, machine factories in there that they run. You know. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, it's it's very uh, very sophisticated what these guys can do. You know, right. Well, that's you know, that, you've got some reliable Internet up there. But the, that's the point. Right. We need more competition. It's not about the government stepping in and regulating the prices. We need more competition. It's, it's like that for everything with our phones. It's the same thing, too. Right. Like we pay a lot for uh, you know, phone uh, cell service is ridiculous here. You know, yes. And the service is, is not great. Let's let's be honest. The service is not great. It's even again because of you know I'm I'm only an hour from Toronto, but it's like a it's so uh, so rural out here. It's crazy. Like on my home to to run my telephone right now to talk to anybody, I I have a, a cell phone booster on my house to boost the signal strength so I can make a phone call. Isn't that ridiculous? It is ridiculous. I'm an hour from Toronto. It is ridiculous. I know. It's uh, it's like we're living in the developing world, but we're paying first world prices. I, I mentioned earlier, and thank you very much for the call, Rob. Um, great to hear from you up in Cremor. I mentioned earlier, I've been on a mountaintop in rural Greece and in, uh, in, a, in a small village way at the top of a mountain, the Taito Mountains. And I had and, I, and someone called me from Los Angeles. And I had better cell reception than I do here in Thornhill, just north of Toronto. It's a joke. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Just reading this uh, in the Toronto Sun. Uh, there's a Toronto gym that's hosting self-defense courses for fearful TTC commuters. This is obviously in the wake of all of the, um, the recent violence on public transit. Um, I should give the, the, uh, the gym a, a plug here. Uh, the Toronto Cra- Cra- Crave or Crave Mega Academy and Combat Arts Training Academy. Uh, they're offering workshops, $65 a person. I think that's important. I think everyone should con- seriously consider taking a self-defense course. Our good friend um, Greg Carrasco has a couple of uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu schools or academies. We'll get him on uh, to talk about that sometime soon. All right. When we come back, more of your calls. 289-275-9600. You want to talk about internet, data, cable? We can talk about that. Violence on the TTC? Are you considering taking a self-defense course? 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Back with more of the Richard Serrett Show and your calls in three minutes. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. And just a reminder, I'm off tomorrow taking the family to the Blue Jays home opener. And um, De- Declan, uh, Declan, you're waving at me. 
I was just it, waving you goodbye for tomorrow. Oh, okay. I thought you were trying to get my attention because I thought maybe I left my mic on mute again. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a seven o'clock start, but um, we're going to take the uh, the day. I got to figure out how I want to get down there. I don't want to drive. I hate I hate going downtown. The bicyclists, the cyclists down there are getting increasingly militant and aggressive. And um, to say, you know, there's also the uh, it's just a circus downtown. Uh, also, I don't know if I want to take the TTC either. So I'm, I'm kind of torn, but I am kind of uh, excited about um, the all of these much heralded improvements to uh, the Rogers Center, the Rogers Center renovations. And um, Jacob, I know you're going down Thursday. So uh, what, what what am I going to expect when I uh, when I go into the Rogers Center on uh, tomorrow night? Is it uh, these improvements? I'm hearing about the bullpen being elevated up to kind of the field level. Uh, what else? What are you, what else are they doing over there? Yeah, well, they're doing the renovations in two phases. So this past year, they focused on the outfield seats. So you know how at the 500 level in the outfield, kind of where the hotels are, there'd be all these empty seats. Like maybe in the playoff games, they'd be full. But for the most part, it was just all empty seats. Those seat sections are now gone, and they've been replaced by a couple of bars as well as, I believe, uh, a family area where they have different games. If you go to the game with you little kids, you can bring them there as as a place to have fun. And it's general admission. You just pay $20 and you get to kind of – roam around or wherever in that area so i think it's kind of cool especially because no one was really ever sitting there it was just unwasted space right they're calling them outfield neighborhoods or something i mean that's essentially what it is right it's a gathering area for people who are jays fans to just go and hang out it's not as much a seat as it is just a place to go and hang out Right, right. But all these changes, I'm, I'm understanding it. it's going to affect the, uh, it, the, the, the capacity is going to drop because they've got to, you know, to make room for these other, I don't know, outfield neighborhoods and patios and things. They're going to actually lose about 3,000 seats. So I, I guess that's not a lot, but I, I just hope that that doesn't, you know, ultimately affect ticket prices, you know? I don't think it will because if you think about the majority of the games, they weren't sellouts anyways. I mean, think of what was the last time you went to a game in the regular season and those sections were full, maybe once or twice against the Yankees or on Canada Day or opening day. I think for for 99% of the games, it's really not going to make a difference. You get a crowd of uh, of 30,000 people. That's a good crowd anyways. Right. They're right. Not, I don't think they're sweating over that. Now, Richard, I know you are going to be excited about the poutine hot dog. I know you saw that. Is that the first thing you're going to get when you walk into the stadium tomorrow? Oh, no, 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 no. My uh, if I were to try that, my uh, my colon would be doing backflips. My boys will probably be more interested in that. They're they're uh, a little more adventurous when it comes to uh, their food options. You know, what? I have to admit, it looked a little bit underwhelming, especially because the picture had ketchup on it and poutine and ketchup uh, do not mix well together at, at all. You know, I'm fine. You know, if they want to mess around with the menu, that's fine. I would, I would appreciate is being able to buy a water, a bottle of water for less than $6. That would be nice. Uh, but let me ask you about that. Um, raising the, uh, the bullpen up to the level of more closer to the level of the seats. Now you got folks out there that are paying $20 for a ticket. Uh, and there's all sorts of, you know, there's beer gardens and beer patios out there. Is that necessarily a good mix? I mean, do you want the opposite, the opposing, uh, players, the bullpen, uh, the, you know, within striking distance of a bunch of, uh, 
potentially drunken yahoos? I don't know. Just thinking out loud here. You know what? I never actually thought of that. I I don't think that Toronto fans are the most ruthless in terms of that. Like maybe if they did that in in Philadelphia or Yankee Stadium, you know, the bleacher creatures out there in right field can get pretty rowdy. Maybe there'd be a few more issues. But I know that they, they had to have accounted for player safety when they they made these changes. I just think it's cool. Uh, obviously, you want to be as close to the players as you can. And I, I, I don't see it being a security issue. Let's hope it's not a security issue. Right. No, I, I, I think you're probably right. But so this is phase one of the renovation. So they're making some big changes to. Uh, oh, they're all, they also they're they're um, the, the 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 seats uh, in the five hundred level. They're going to be wider, right? A little more comfortable. Let's hope so because those seats have been there forever and they are brutally uncomfortable. Maybe some cup holders there too. You never know. Uh, that would be nice. They're going to change the uh, the outfield wall, so it's going to be less symmetrical. So is that going to take? Is that going to make Rogers Center uh, more of a batter friendly uh, venue? Yeah, so I believe they're actually moving the left field fence in. They're raising it a little bit, but they're moving it closer, kind of the opposite of what uh, Baltimore did in Camden Yards, where they moved the left field fence back. We should see some more home runs. That was one of the, the key points people were talking about when the Jays acquired Varsho from Arizona, is that he was going to a more hitter-friendly environment. It'll be exciting to see the, the, the effects that it has, because obviously as fans, we want to see more home runs. Hopefully we'll get treated to some. Yeah. Um, your thoughts so far on uh, some of the new rules, like the uh, the pitcher clock? Do you like that? I, I do. Uh, I think that just more has been happening in the games. And I know that people say, oh, the game's more rushed now. The players don't like it. They're, everything's in more of a hurry. But I just think that you have less dead dead time in the game where – the players are all just standing around while a guy is adjusting his batting gloves or while the pitcher is shaking his head for three different pitch signs. Uh, I think it's been a bit of a wonky start. I think it's going to take a little bit of time to get used to it. We've already seen multiple uh, violations by both pitchers and batters of the pitch clocks. But I think I, I do think overall, I mean, game times are way down, which I don't think is a bad thing. Now it'll be really interesting to see that's my impression about watching on TV. It'll be really interesting to see how it affects the game actually in the ballpark. Because I think traditionally, I never really ever felt bored at games. I would just sometimes be a bit bored watching them on TV. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's just a different sense of urgency when you're at the game now, if you'll have to be more focused in. Uh, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, you'll see how it plays out tomorrow. You must be excited. I am. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Like watching... At the ballpark is a total different experience. If I'm watching on TV, I don't mind if the game is considerably shorter. But if I'm going to take the time and the effort to get all the way down uh, to the ball yard, you know, I don't an extra half hour is fine, you know, I, I, uh, to enjoy the game and to enjoy the ambiance. But I will say one thing about the like the pitcher's clock to me. I, I mean, I'm a traditionalist. I've made my views very well, uh, pretty clear on the on the program. I, I like his, the history of the game. I like I like things to be pretty much left alone but the um the, with the pitcher clock that's kind of helped certain pitchers like kikuchi right because it's forced him to sort of think less and to get into a rhythm and just to throw the darn ball and and man he's uh, he's just a, a new pitcher it's also negatively affected a pitcher like chris bassett though who throws six seven eight different pitches 
it's made his life a lot more complicated trying to communicate with the catcher what pitch he wants to throw. Uh, but yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it's again, I don't, I see over time. I don't think it's really going to make that big of a difference. The good pitchers are still going to be good. The guys who aren't as effective are still not going to be great. I just think there's going to be a month or two where people will be tinkering a little bit to see what works best for them. All right. Well, I will, uh, I will report back on Wednesday. Please do. I need to know for Thursday. I need to know what to expect. Yes. My, my ballpark experience with the, uh, the revamped Rogers stadium. They also, they need to uh, Rogers center. They need to call it a, a park. It should be called Rogers park. You play baseball in a park. You don't play baseball in a center. It doesn't feel like much of a park though. It really doesn't. Let's, let's be honest. Just, just renaming it would, uh, would make me feel better if for no other reason, just to, than to please me. What about my needs? No that, one ever considers that's my true. needs. That is, that is true. How Mark Shapiro has got to factor Richard Serrett into the equation. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing. All right. That's it for me. My thanks to Jody, Declan and Jacob. And I'm off tomorrow again to take the family to the home opener, but you can still tune in from four to six tomorrow for a special best of the Richard Saracho presentation. And then I'll speak with you on Wednesday at four. God willing, don't be late until then. I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you Tuesday afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.